Merry Christmas. Those of you who've been listening to Christmas music since July, Merry Christmas to you too. We uh, anticipated, as we're overhauling our entire audio system in this auditorium, we anticipated that we would have today just a portable sound system and kind of some speakers on, you know, stands over here. But our, our tech team, worship team, has just worked so hard and so many, many hours that we have not only decent audio, but it's also connected to our, our videos and our cameras. So our online audience, uh, there has been no change for them. So can we thank our teams? Let me tell you. Absolutely have been working long hours. Now next Sunday is... Uh, is our Christmas Eve services for them. If you show up at the 9 o'clock service, we'll throw you in the choir for the 10.30 service. So our first service is at 10.30, then 2, then 3.30, then 5. Now a couple things, if this Grace Point is your home, is let me encourage you to, to be in your seats about five minutes um, before we begin, five to ten minutes early. Um, because we're expecting um, uh, full, full rooms on all of them. Please move to the center, leave the, the, uh, the, the outside for, for guests coming in late. And if you, if possible, um, if you could park as further away from the main entrance here as possible, like down below by, the, by Highway 303 where the parking lot is flat, uh, and then come through the building and come up here, that would help save parking spots um, closer to this, uh, this building uh, for, our, for our guest, carpool, carpool, carpool. Um, that would help off us with parking spots. So given the extra, extra, extra work our team has been putting in, not for just this past week, for, for actually several weeks, and then all this week, on December 31st, that Sunday, we're calling a Watch Party Sunday. A Watch Party Sunday, that means there's no live services on campus here, all right, we are giving a post-Christmas gift to our tech and worship teams, all right? Post-Christmas gift. So gather as a family, gather, uh, gather some friends, uh, gather as life groups, and watch a service uh, we have already recorded and we're putting and editing it together uh, on our normal um, platforms. If you don't know where to go, you can go to our church website um, and then you'll be able to see, see, see that service. So... Thank you for your understanding and, uh, and gifting some uh, many, many volunteers who are actually volunteer, are serving on fumes as we speak, okay? So today we are uh, landing uh, this three-part Sunday morning Christmas series called The Dividing Line, The Birth of Jesus Christ Split Time in Two, uh, you know, B.C. and A.D. We've been looking at prophecies in the B.C., or we'd say Old Testament, but before Christ, and how they were fulfilled in the A.D. And so part one, we talked about that the birth of Christ marked the very moment when darkness was invaded by the light of the world. Everything changed. John, trying to describe, put in words, you know, describe the inscribable, said the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. And that's what Jesus did. Last week, we talked about the Old Testament predicted the coming Messiah would be rejected. And Jesus was and still is rejected today by most Jews. By most Jews. She wanted so bad to listen to my message, so bad. 
okay? That's all right. That's fantastic that we have children in our church, all throughout our church, okay? So turn to John chapter 1. John chapter 1, base passage for the series, really the base passage for our Christmas Eve services. Today we're going to have entitled Titles Fulfilled. Titles given the Old Testament were, were fulfilled in the New Testament. And uh, we're going to talk about that. We're only going to look at a few verses in John chapter 1. We're going to look at verse 14 and verse 18. Verse 14, John says this, the Word, capital W, talking about Jesus, the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Look at verse 18. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God, and, and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. God is a personal God that wants us to know him, and we can know him by knowing his Son. In, in, in Isaiah chapter 7, a, a, a title was given to Jesus. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And that's what John writes. He came in the flesh. He took on flesh to dwell among us. That was one of the reasons why God brought him here, so that he would be known. The central um, point is this, that the titles for Jesus are doorways that are going to swing open into the kingdom of light, a new world of understanding who Jesus is. So these titles... In the Bible, they are descriptive, all right? All of us have different titles. All of us have different titles, whether it's work-related, family-related, whatever. We have titles, and we have more than just a name, all right, that we're called. Jesus was called Jesus. Did I lose anybody there? All right? But that name has meaning of not only who he was, but what he did, what he does, even to this day. Jesus means God saves. Jehovah is salvation. That's what it means. Yeshua, that's what it means. So these titles that we're going to walk through today, just four, there's many others, but just four, I hope that they open the doorway into understanding who Jesus is. The light of the world, his kingdom is called the kingdom of light. Pray that these doors open up and you understand who Jesus is in a deeper way today. Now I want you to turn to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. We're going to look at that. I'll have it on the screen if you don't have a copy of God's Word. The, the Christmas passage, the messianic, messianic passage of the, the coming Messiah. It's not going to come as a, as a conquering military general, it's not going to come as an angel, not going to come as an adult. It says in verse 6 this, for to us a child is born. God faked the whole world out. A child is born. To us a son, meaning the son of God, a son is given. And the governments will be on his shoulders and he will be called, read it with me, wonderful counselor, mighty God. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We're going to look at those four titles today. The first one is Wonderful Counselor. Wonderful is capitalized because he is wonderful. 
it, it, it is who he is, but it's also descriptive of what kind of counselor he is. And this is the counselor that Jesus is, the wonderful counselor, is that Jesus understands and knows us more than, we, more than anyone else does. Now, you may think your mama knows you. Jesus knows you even more. You may think, well, my best friend knows everything about me. Oh, Jesus knows even more. Jesus knows you more than you know yourself. And this word in the Hebrew, the root word for wonderful, is where we get the word wonder and miracles. Meaning Jesus is such an amazing counselor that he is able to do miracles and wonders in our life if we allow him to be that counselor, to do what counselors do, to reveal who we are and what we really need. You see, Jesus knows you better than you know yourself. Jesus knows the real needs in your life. Most of our prayers are, I want this, I want this, I want this. And God answers all of our prayers. And many times God answers no to our wants because he knows, actually that would be actually harmful for you if I said yes. I love you enough to say no. Why? Because he knows what you really need in your life and what's best for you. As a wonderful counselor, Jesus doesn't need a sit-down therapy session and ask us questions to find out about us. Why? Because he knows everything in your past. Everything, every detail in your past. Jesus knows everything that you're currently going through. And he knows everything in your future. He's that type of counselor. He's a wonderful counselor that knows what questions to ask. See, great counselors ask great questions to get to the root issue. Jesus knows what questions to ask. Jesus knows what is below the surface in your life. There are no walls that he cannot scale that you can put up. To, I don't want anybody getting close to me. Oh, that walls mean nothing to Jesus. Mask, that we try to mask who, who we really are, mask our uh, you know, identity, mask our problems. No, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. When it's not, Jesus blows past that mask that you put on or multiple masks. Whatever image you have created that you want others to see you through, Jesus sees the real you. Why? Because he's a wonderful counselor. And as a wonderful counselor, Jesus loves you enough to speak truth to you. See, we live in a culture, an age, a, a globe that, well, my truth is this and your truth is that. To Jesus, who is the way, the truth in the life, there's no multiple choice truths. There is truth. And Jesus is the source of that truth. So he'll speak truth to us. Why? Because he's a wonderful counselor that knows I'm not going to beat around the bush. I'm going to get to the core issue. Why are you doing this? Why, why don't you trust me? Jesus speaks truth to say, you know what? You are justifying your behavior and your choices. Now, I love you, but I want you to obey me and choose my way, my path for your life. How does he do that? It's because he's a wonderful counselor who speaks truth to us. 
Now, I'm going to give you a couple examples of how this, I believe, is fulfilled in the New Testament, that Jesus was a wonderful counselor when he was here in the flesh on planet Earth. You see, when Jesus met the woman at the well and people like her, he walked right into her mess. See, Jesus accepts all of us. That doesn't mean he, uh, he agrees with all of our choices. But he's, he, he, just, he walked right in the midst of the, the mess of the woman at the well, and he just talked with her, and he was tender with her, and he was gentle with her, but he spoke truth to her. He says, oh, why don't you get your husband to come back? Well, that's not my husband, or I'm not married. Yes, I know, you've been married five times. And the man you're living with is not your husband. She said, he told everything that I've ever done. Why? Because he's a wonderful counselor who knows all things. But he was tender with her. The only time Jesus wasn't tender and gentle is with the pride and arrogance of religious people. Jesus has no patience for religious arrogance. But the average person, he walked right into their mess, right into their problems. When lepers came to him, Jesus did the unspeakable in that culture. See, when leprosy hit, you, you lost your job, you were removed from your family, moved from your, your home, you, were, you lived in a distant place, you had to yell from a distance, unclean, unclean, meaning you have to stay far away from me because I don't want you to have what I have. I don't want you to lose, you know, fingers and toes like I have had. And when Jesus came in the presence of lepers, he did something before he healed them that demonstrates what a wonderful counselor he is because he gave them what they needed beyond healing. What did he do? He touched them. That was crazy. That was radical. That was an amazingly loving thing to do. Do you imagine some of them hadn't been touched in years? And he touched them. And then he healed them. There's this other story I'm going to land with today. is a woman who had a bleeding disorder. For 12 years, New Testament says, she had some type of bleeding disorder. And she went from doctor to doctor to doctor. And she spent everything she had. She had nothing left because she was trying to get help. No one could help her. She hears about Jesus and healing people, and she thought to herself, because she's completely desperate. And she was like, well, maybe he would heal me. But, you know, I don't even need to talk to him. I don't even think I want to talk to him. But if I can just, just touch, touch the hem of his garment, maybe he'll, I'll be healed by that. So Jesus is in a crowd, a crowd pressing in on him, Scripture says, and they are moving from one place to the next. And this lady took took a lot of courage in spite of her fear, and and she's going through and cutting through and getting close, getting close, and she's getting close. Her heartbeat's probably going up, and she finally reaches out and touches the hem of his garment. And Jesus stops and yelled, who touched me? I mean, it was so crazy. Some of his disciples said, um, Jesus I think everybody's touched you. Everybody's crowding around you. What do you mean who touched you? And he said, who touched me? I, I've, I've sensed some power of me have, has left. Do you imagine being her? Like, oh, shoot. <laughs> I just tried to want to get in and get out. Now, and she's, she can't move. She can't hide. And as Jesus looking around saying, who touched me? She knows what he's talking about. And can you imagine when he looks right at her? 
And Jesus says something that I don't want you to miss. This is what he says to her. Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Jesus has never used this title for anybody but this lady. He only used it once. Daughter. See, none of the things Jesus said were by accident. Everything has a purpose. And I don't know the, the backstory, but I, I can surmise, I can speculate. What I'm going to say is speculation, but when we get in heaven, we'll figure this out ourselves. But I believe in context, there's possibly some truth in why he called her daughter. Because she needed to hear that. I don't know, maybe her father died. And that father wound was gone as I don't have a dad anymore. Maybe her father rejected her, which happened often. When there's any problems, they just disowned. Like, you know what, what you're dealing with, I, I can't spend any more of my money. You're on your own. You're no longer my daughter. Maybe she was an outcast. But for whatever the reason was, Jesus knew she needed to hear daughter. Just that phrase means it's a blessing that you don't, you don't know that the relationship you have with me, you're my family. I'm going to treat you as my daughter. Now, the reason why I speculate this is because in chapter 8, if you go a, some, a little bit, just a few verses ahead, the synagogue leader was desperate. Usually synagogue leaders, they were trying to trick Jesus or get Jesus arrested in trouble. But this synagogue leader, uh, Darius, came. Jairus came to Jesus in absolute desperation. He is crying out. It doesn't matter who hears. Jesus, you need to come to my home because my daughter is sick unto death. And if you could come and heal her, You see, this lady didn't have an advocate. She didn't have a champion. We don't know where her, daughter, her dad was in her life, but Jesus knew what she needed to hear. Yes, she needed healing, but he said, daughter. You know why? Because he's the wonderful counselor. He knew exactly the deepest need in her life. And he calls her daughter. And as soon as, as soon as this happened, she was forever healed. Then Jesus moves on, and they're going to go to Jairus' house, and then someone came to Jairus and said, I'm sorry, you don't need to come. Your daughter has passed. And Jesus said, we're still going. And he went there and revived his daughter from the dead. You see, the, a wonderful counselor, and Jesus knows the triggers to your tears. He knows the source of your fears. He knows the angst behind your anxiety. Why? Because he's a wonderful counselor. And he's, he's there to love on you and to help you. So many times we just kind of don't go to him. We go to other people. He's a wonderful counselor. And it's no accident why Jesus looked out to a crowd with his heart breaking and said, come to me, all you who are tired and burdened, and I 
will give you rest. Oh, do you know this wonderful counselor personally? Do you know him as your savior? Oh, please accept Christ today. The second title, descriptive name given to Jesus is mighty God. Mighty God means all authority belongs to Jesus. Yes, he's God, but he's not weak. He is mighty. He has authority. In fact, all authority. And when Jesus was here on planet earth, he spoke and taught with authority. So much that people said, whoa, we have never heard our rabbis talk like this. There's power there. There's authority there. Why? Because Jesus is a mighty God. When Jesus spoke to the, to the wind and to the waves, cease, be still, and they obeyed him, showed how much authority he had even over creation. When Jesus spoke into healing people, he had authority, he had power. When he declared who he was, he did it with authority. Why? Because he's the mighty God. Now Jesus, when he comes back the second time, you're going to fully see this attribute, this title revealed. But we know that when he comes back the second time, that he's going to put all kingdoms to the side, all power and all authority will be him, be his, and every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. But while he was here the first time, he did something, faked people out, faked the religious leaders out, he flipped the script and chose, this mighty God chose to take on the form of a servant. He didn't have to. He had the resume, but he chose to, to model this servant Messiah, servant leader for his disciples and even for us today. So Jesus, born in, you know, humility, kind of raised in obscurity, but led with power and authority. And before he went back, went back to heaven, he, he gathered his disciples around because they had no idea that, that he was going to start this thing called the church, that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Why? Because it's his church. They had no idea the concept of serving Jesus and spreading the gospel all over the world and, 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 and even beyond. And he, he said something to his disciples then, but also for us today. He said this. You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles, that they lord it over them? And their high officials exercise authority over them. And he's speaking to his disciples, knowing what's coming, how they're going to lead in the future, and even us today. Four important words. Not so with you. That's not how my leaders need to lead. Because the leaders in the, in the world, they lord it over. I got this title. I have this rank. I have this resume. I'm up here. You're down here. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, whatever leadership role you have, and almost every single one of you has some type of leadership role, Jesus would say, no, 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 not so with you. My followers need to lead differently. No matter your experience, education, rank, or title. He said, instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. And then Jesus said, let me model this thing for you. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So that's why he came the first time. I'm going to pay the price of sin. I will pay the ransom 
price. But he came as a servant. Completely flipped the switch. He could have called 10,000 angels to come and take him off the cross. He could have walked off himself. But he chose not to. He chose not to. He's the mighty God. The third word, title, descriptive given to Jesus is everlasting Father. Now, this one is probably the most confusing of the four. Because we're like, okay, wait, he's the son of God, right? Um, but now he's taking over the God, the Father's role, you know? And he's like, no, 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 no. The Trinity is still intact, you know? They're the triune God of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. There's one God. Our human brain's like, I cannot understand this. There's one God but three entities. Jesus wasn't assuming a different title as God the Father, Know that in Hebrew, the word father was descriptive of creator, originator, someone who created something new. See, Jesus was the creator. Colossians tells us who said, let there be light. It was Jesus. And Jesus, though, in Hebrews, it says that Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. He is the creator of our faith. He is the father of our faith. And he's our forever father. We trust in Jesus. He's our forever, forever father of our faith. And he will never cease that title and surrender it. But here's the difference with Jesus. Known as a wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father. But here he was, the king. He's how he just views it a little different. Jesus is a king who treats his followers more like children than subjects beneath him. He modeled this even on planet earth. He'll model it again even in heaven. He is the king of kings and lord of lords. He is a mighty God. He's all that. But he chooses to treat his followers like sons and daughters instead of subjects beneath him. Are we beneath him? Oh, yes. Not even a question. But how he treats us. That's why when I pray, I'm talking to my Abba Father. That's like the int- most intimate, you know, my, my dad. He's also my friend. And he's my savior. And he's my king. It's amazing. So some of you... Kind of made a note on this. Some of you, your idea of a father has been damaged and twisted because of an earthly father had the title but didn't have the heart. And so your view, your filter of father is is clogged because of pain and hurt. So let me just say this about if you have faith in Jesus, your forever father, have no fear. Because your father, Jesus, will never abandon you, will never abuse you, will never reject you. He will always love you. And he knows everything about you. Oh, what love. And Jesus modeled this, you know, to his disciples, kind of this parental, protective father that he modeled it. 
And, and he told his disciples in John chapter 14, okay, guys, I'm, I'm going to be arrested and, and killed. And, but rise again in three days. They missed it all. They freaked out. And he says, and I'm going to be leaving. And they're like, whoa, 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 you're, you're what? You know, no, you can't leave, all right? And he says, no, no, I'm, I'm going to prepare a place for you. But wherever I go, where I go, I want to bring you there to be with me forever. Then he goes and said, I, I need to leave, but I, I don't want to, I will not leave you as orphans. So I'm going to give you my spirit, Holy Spirit, to be with you. So when he's with you, I'm with you. And you trust in me, you have the spirit of God, his spirit, the spirit of Christ to always be with you, to never leave you. So he's telling them all this. And he's saying that my peace I give to you. When you have the peace of God, I mean, you can go through anything in life. But then a couple chapters later, chapter 17, he says, I'm going to pray to the Father in the presence of his disciples. And he's praying for them, but he's also praying for his future disciples, for his future followers. And he says this to God the Father, I remain in the world. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. And I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by the name you gave me. A few verses later, he says to the Father, Father, I want those who you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory that you have given me since the creation of the world. I want them with me. See, the, the loved ones in my life who had a relationship with Jesus, when their earthly, limited life here on earth went away and they, they went to heaven, and we say this phrase, well, they, they went and they're resting in the arms of Jesus. I actually believe that. Because he was like, Holy Father, Heavenly Father, Holy Father, protect them, I protected them. I want them with me. I go to prepare a place for this so you'll be with me. When my loved ones left this earth that's broken and sinful, went to heaven, I believe Jesus was like, I've been waiting for you. That's the heart of Christ. Our father of our faith that wants his children near him in glory. Oh, do you know him? Oh, do you know him? And then the last title in this one little verse, Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace means the source of peace. Uh, everywhere around us, there's no peace. You look around the world, the globe, there's wars, there's fighting, there's civil wars, there's death, destruction, murder, chaos, riots. It goes on and on and on and on. There's no peace Around the world, there's no peace around us, and many of you don't have peace within you. But do you know Jesus, the Prince of Peace? The Prince of Peace. Like I said last week, the first time Jesus came, his number one objective was to make possible us to have peace with God forever. That's when we trust in him. When we say, Jesus, I'm a sinner, my sin has separated me from you, but I trust you by faith. Romans 5, 1 says, when we trust in Christ, we now have peace with God. And it'll be forever. But the second time he comes back, oh, we ain't seen nothing yet. 
His number one objective is to finally bring peace on planet Earth. And peace will last forever when Jesus reigns. When Jesus reigns. See, the titles given to Jesus were not just, let me throw you some names, throw you some titles. They have such rich meaning. I hope that I opened the doorway into a pathway into a little taste of the kingdom of light to understand who Jesus is. We're going to close this series and this service by singing, His name is wonderful. But would you pray with me? If you're here and you don't know the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, you don't have, you don't have a father of your faith, you don't know the Prince of Peace, right where you're sitting, say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need you. By faith, I believe that you are the Son of God. You're all these titles and more. And by faith, I'm asking you to be my Savior. Because you paid for my sin on the cross. You rose again, proving that you are God. Please be my Savior. Well, I... Lord, I pray for believers out there, followers who have been distracted, discouraged, dismayed. Their eyes are looking on the, on the wind and the waves. They're scared. They're stressed. They're overwhelmed. Lord, I pray that even today with these names, with these titles, with these descriptions, may they turn their eyes again and look at Jesus, the author and finisher of their faith who for the joy before him despised the cross that went there and paid for our sin debt. Lord, may they look again into his wonderful face. Lord, as we sing this song and shout your titles, may we understand what they really mean and worship you at a deeper level as a result. We pray this in the name of Jesus, we say. Amen. Please stand.
morning, just kind of open those doorways, got a little glimpse in the kingdom of light and go, I think I know Jesus a little closer and a little bit more today. That's why we celebrate Christmas. That's why we kind of go big here at Grace Point. The theme, the light has come. That's why there's lights and lanterns and lampstands in the lobby and in here. We're so excited next Sunday to share that the light has come.